Good evening. Let me start off by welcoming you out to our, Sunday, our Wednesday evening service at Mountaineer Missionary Baptist Church. It is a blessing that you tuned in to be with us this evening. Uh, uh, we miss you greatly, and we're hoping that here real soon we'll be back together worshiping in God's house again. Uh, we've had some... The state has not had the best results, but the county has had some pretty good results these last week or so, so we're continuing to keep an eye on those things, um, seeing what our health experts are telling us across the county, and hopefully make a, a good, safe judgment on when it will be safe to be back in God's house once again. We'll be in the book of James chapter 5 this evening. James chapter 5. I hope that, I know that Seti's singing was a blessing to you, and I pray that uh, you have been singing praises unto God this week on your own as well. The Bible says that we should make a joyful noise unto the Lord. These are songs of worship and songs of praise. Uh, so we'll go over some announcements before we get started in James 5. Uh, this week, I think we have given out Sunday School Quarterly to everyone. If for some reason by accident that we missed you, please let me know that way we can get with you and let you know and uh, get you a quarterly and a, a daily bread as well. Um, also, don't forget about the vaccine clinic coming up uh, at the end of September. I think that's September 26th here at the church. Uh, if you are wanting a vaccine besides a flu shot, anything like a pneumonia shot or shingles shot, things like that, if you let me know, CVS might be able to help you with that as well. So just let me know. It's even 18 or over. Uh, they'll be doing a drive-through vaccine clinic out back of the church. Um, also be back live on Facebook and YouTube on Sunday at 10.30 and Sunday at 7. So that's everything I could think of as far as announcements. So let's bow our heads for a word of prayer before we get into this evening's message. Most kind, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity of the Lord to come together uh, by way of internet and to worship you, Lord. Lord, we miss getting to actually be physically together, Lord, in this building and to worship in spirit and truth, Lord. Lord, we know that there is no uh, way to, to imitate the gathering of your saints as it is a sacred thing that we do. We pray, Lord, that you would eliminate this virus from our, our, our county, our state, our country, our world, Lord, that we could um, go back to evangelizing and reaching out the way we once did, Lord, in a safe environment. We pray, Lord, for our world leaders that you would guide them, Lord, as they make decisions about our lives and about these important things they need to decide upon, Lord. We pray for our schools, our school personnel, Lord, as they are going back to work and our kids are um, getting an education in a way unlike they ever have before. We pray, Lord, that you may bless those efforts, Lord. We pray, Lord, for our churches around us. You give us safety. Pray for our medical professionals, Lord. We pray, Lord, for especially for Trinity Nursing Home this evening, Lord, where there is such a uh, major outbreak, Lord. We pray, Lord, for those folks that are sick, Lord, that you would heal them, Lord, and for those that are working there, Lord, or are living there. We pray, Lord, for safety. Pray, Lord, you put a hedge of protection around them, Lord. Pray, Lord, for the sick in our community and our church. Pray a special blessing upon them, Lord. And we pray for, Lord, for those that have lost loved ones this week, Lord, for uh, for the Kenny Kirk family, Lord, and for the Don Lambert family, Lord, and others. We pray, Lord, that you would give them comfort through and by your Holy Spirit. Watch over us, Lord, and bless the message tonight, Lord. Forgive us where we fall short, Lord, and help us, Lord, 
do a, do a work for you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. All right, we'll be in the book of James, chapter 5, starting in verse 7 through verse 12 this evening. And the Bible says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering, affliction, of patience. Behold, we count them happy, which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, and the Lord is very pitiful, and a tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay be nay lest ye fall into condemnation. And we look at the message tonight, let's rewind for a little bit to Sunday night, where we talked about how the rich were warned about uh, getting too overly wrapped up in these earthly goods, these earthly things that they were enjoying, and to focus more on the things of God, more of the spiritual things. As we get down to chapter 5 and verse 7, we're looking at the coming of the Lord, and we really want to look and preach on the topic this evening of patience in suffering. Patience in suffering. So there's four things we want to bring out about this tonight. And the first thing we need to talk about, we need to be wait, wait, waiting patiently on the king. Be waiting patiently on the king. The word here uses the word patient, and if we look to the Latin, it means to restrain yourself, to stop yourself. And we must restrain ourselves not to retaliate when we are suffering. Typically, suffering makes us want to react in some sort of negative way. It makes us want to lash out people. It makes us want to, to get even with people. But we see here that the Bible says for us to hold ourselves back. Also, when we're suffering, a lot of times we want to fix our own situations. But you see, we need to restrain ourselves. Because while this suffering is going on, the Bible tells us that there is a deliverer coming. That Jesus Christ, which is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, is going to return and going to call us out of here in the event that we know of as the rapture. Now the word rapture comes from the Latin word raptura, which means to be called up. So for those people who say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible, you are correct. In the English, but if you go to the Latin where the Bible talks about that calling away or the calling up, that word rapturo is in the Bible, which is Latin and is where we get our word rapture. You see, another word we see here in the Bible is the word about coming. And the word coming here that they use is the word that they typically use for a king. So the person that is coming here to take the church out is not just a man. He's not just a good person. He wasn't just a teacher, as people call Jesus Master, but he is the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. He is Jesus Christ himself, which is coming back to earth to rapture the church out of here, that we may be called up to meet him in the air, that we will not have to go through this seven years of tribulation, which is going to be poured out upon this earth after the rapture. If you think, think things are bad now, this is nothing compared 
to what is to come. You see, James is showing here that his half-brother Jesus is, wasn't just his half-brother, but he is royalty. And the picture that they're giving there in verse 7 is this picture of a Palestinian farmer. Because out in Palestine, when farmers were farming, they had these small farms, and they carefully saved their seeds, and they would plant these seeds with the hope of a good harvest. they live on short rations. They'd suffer hunger. And their whole livelihood of the family depended on a good harvest. The loss of the farm, semi-starvation, or death would be the result of a bad harvest. So the farmer waited for the expected future events. Folks, we are waiting now on a future event. The church is going, has went through tribulation since the beginning. We look at the disciples. Most of them died martyred death. And the only one to live to a very old age was John. They suffered. We have brothers and sisters in Asian countries and places where the gospel was banned and people are losing their lives for the spread of the gospel. There is a plague, a pestilence that is attacking our, our land, our people. People are dying every day and suffering. Yet this is nothing compared to suffering to come. And we know beyond the shadow of a doubt, based on the promises of God's Word, that we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ and are part of the family of God, that when Christ returns and that trumpet sounds, we will be with Him. We will be escaping this world in which is full of suffering. The old song says, This world is not my home. I am only passing through. Folks, while people are... Verses 1 through 6 have their treasures in this world. The church, if we will just wait patiently, our king is coming to take us to a heavenly kingdom. The second thing we need to wait on, we need to wait patiently for our reward. See, while Christ is coming, that's just the vessel. That is the vessel to take us to our reward. We see the Bible says that we establish our hearts in Christ, which means when we look at our hearts and our innermost desires, our desires can be for worldly things, or our desires can be for spiritual things. People are talking now about how the, the most important things are to get businesses back open and get schools back open. To me, the most important thing to be back open is the church, God's holy church because nothing is more important than things of God. Folks, if your heart is completely enveloped with this world, that your only concerns are gaining material possession, your only concern is gaining uh, fame and fortune, your only concern is becoming popular, you're going to find yourself be very disappointed in eternity. Because none of those things are going to last eternally. When life on this earth ends, and it will for all of us, either through death or through the rapture, that means all those things you've amassed here are going to go away. But the things you've done for God will be eternal. You see, Christians are going to appear in front of the judgment seat of Christ. And we read in the Word where Jesus will reward them with crowns based on what they have done 
in the service of God. Eternal, eternal rewards. A lot of people have done things in the service of God that are done for all the wrong reasons and those works will not last and will not stand because see, Christ doesn't just know the efforts. Christ doesn't just know the show you've put on in front of mom or dad or husband or wife or pastor or Sunday school teacher. God knows the legitimacy of your reasoning. He knows the intentions of the heart. And if your whole reason for doing things for God is for money or for fame or for a pat on the back, you're doing them for all the wrong reasons. Matthew 6.20 says, says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. Folks, you need to understand that if our hope be in this world, we'll be of men most miserable. Our hope cannot be in worldly things. Our hope must be in glory. Our hope must be in heaven. Our hope must be in eternity because the Bible talks about in a time to come in the future that we'll be standing in front of God and when we receive these crowns, we'll take and cast them at His feet because we know anything we've done of value for God is not because of us, but it's because of what God is doing through His Holy Spirit, which is working in us, the believer, to bring people to a saving faith with Christ and to disciple them into a close intimacy with God. It's not our talent. It's not our good looks, our good works, or anything else. It's all God that is doing it through us. You see, we are given an act of grace by being allowed to serve Him. These rich folks, Sunday night, they're in such a hurry to receive their rich rewards. They want everything here on earth. They lost focus of the big prize. I don't have a whole lot on earth. I have plenty. I have more than I need, more than I really want, to be honest with you. I have a home. I have a couple vehicles. I have plenty of food, more food than I can eat. I have, my, I have health. I mean, I have so many things God has blessed me with. But in the eyes of many, I would, I would not be considered rich. But there is an old song we sing that says, I went down a beggar and I came up a millionaire. And that's very much true for the Christian. Because a man who has given his life to God, the body says he presents himself, the Bible says he presents his body a living sacrifice, which is his reasonable service, which means he is going to give up everything to live a life that pleases God. When Jesus was out preaching, he encountered a man. And the man, and I'm paraphrasing here, the man wanted to know what it would take to please God. And he was a rich man. And Jesus told him to go and sell everything he owns. And the man just couldn't do it. we got people like that today that are so enraptured in their possessions that they're missing heaven by a four-wheeler or a dollar sign. When we need to be certain that we are not focused on the things of this earth that are temporary, but the things that are spiritual that are eternal, and we are willing to wait patiently for the reward that is to come. So not only do we need to wait patiently on the return of our King, we need to wait patiently on our reward. You may absolutely be homeless in this life. You may not have a home, may not have any money, may not have a car. 
You may be a beggar, but if you have God, you are richer than the richest sinner out there. Because in eternity, you're going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. No, we need to wait patiently on our King and wait patiently on our reward. We need to wait patiently for our relief. You see, the Bible talks here about a judge that's standing at the door. And that is Jesus Christ that's standing at the door. Now, if you know anything about someone standing at a door, here's what happens at, at our house. And I think this may be a, a Appalachian or a Harsh Creek thing. If you see a car come down the road that you know you're expecting, you automatically go to the door and wait for them. You don't wait for them to knock. You go to the door and you wait for them to, to get there. And you greet them. That's, that's how the... The, the Appalachian uh, caring thing to do. When Jesus is at the door waiting to welcome the church to be with him in eternity. Jesus could rapture the church at any moment, at any breath. If he was to, would you go out with him? Or would you be left behind? And that's not a trick question. And you should not have to think real hard to find the answer. Because I want to let you know when the rapture takes place, Jesus is not going to stop to ask your pastor for a referral and he's not going to stop to check the Baptist membership book. He's going to know beyond a shadow of a doubt who his sheep is. Because the Bible tells us that he is the shepherd. We are his sheep. And we know his voice. And when he calls, we will go out of here in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Not in the blink of an eye, not in the wink of the eye, the flash of an eye, but the twinkle of an eye. A time that no man knows. People have been trying to predict this moment for generations. But the Bible says no man knows the day nor the hour that the Son of Man cometh. You see, this should encourage us. Because I don't know about you, but there's plenty of days where I would love to be just like John at the end of Revelations where he said, come quickly, Lord Jesus. There are plenty of days where I'm saying, Jesus, just come. Just, just take us out of here. Call your church. Let us go to be with you. I'm tired of the suffering. I'm tired of the turmoil. I'm tired of the evilness. I'm tired of the cruelty, the hate, and the death, and the suffering. I look forward to a day when I can go to a place where there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more sadness, no more funerals to preach, no more hospitals, no more medication, no more plagues, pestilence, or evil mistreatment of individuals because everything will be made right and glorified in the presence of God. Folks, we are, the Bible talks that we would suffer for our faith. You know, and here's the thing about America. We really aren't going through the persecution that in our mind we think we're going through. But it does not change that life has its tribulations. As a child, I didn't understand when people said it was hard being an adult. And I'm starting to realize the age of 35, the pressure of, of, of making sure that you get up on time, get to work on time, put in a, a good day's work to please your employer because that's what Christians are supposed to do. If you're cheating your employer out of work, you're, you're sinning, by the way. Uh, that I, I provide a good life for my family and the whole time that there's the pains 
and aches that come with slowly aging. But all that's going to end when we get to heaven. All that worry and concern is going to end. So we need to be patient because our relief is coming. See, James gives us the example of the Hebrew prophets here. And we could pick any of them as an example. But they all were forced to be patient. The prophets went through great sufferings. Many of them uh, for their faith. They faced great afflictions. Afflictions that most of us will never ever have to experience. And yet with God's help they endured. That's not to say they didn't stumble. Uh, there, there were prophets who pleaded to die even it got so bad. But yet God enabled them to finish the race. Let me tell you something. If you're going to make it until your relief comes, you're not going to do it through and by your own power, your own might, your own strength, or your own determination. You're going to do it through and by the inner working of God as He secures His children by the sealing of the Holy Spirit in our lives when we come to that moment of faith. As He begins the work in us, the Bible says, that He will continue into the day of our Lord. It doesn't say He takes days off. It doesn't say there's things we can do to run Him off. But it says we are his. He is ours. James gives the example of the prophet of Job. If you've read the book of Job, you know Job was not a perfect man. Yet in his sufferings he endured more tribulation than I think any of us has suffered. In the first couple of chapters, he lost his all his livestock, his his children. And his wife told him to just curse God and die. Give up. And realize something about Job. This is important to note that Job was not a sinful man. God was very pleased with Job. He even told the devil, observe my servant Job. But the devil still attacked him. In fact, he put a target on Job. For the devil to attack. Now notice, while the God allowed the devil to try his servant, God gave the devil limitations. Once you know something, the devil may absolutely torture you, but God's put limitations on Satan. Because Satan can make you miserable. Satan can make you stumble. Satan can tempt you. But yet, Satan cannot steal your salvation. Satan cannot destroy your relationship with God. God has you in the palm of his hands. We see through everything that Job endured, the Bible uses the word that the Lord was very pitiful and tender mercy. And that pitiful doesn't mean that God was weak. It means he was full of pity for Job. Full of mercy for Job. And I imagine when God looks down and sees Justin Basin, that he is full of pity and full of mercy because he realizes how weak and feeble of a man I really am and how I am not worthy to handle his word, how I am not worthy to call him father, yet but because he is full of pity and full of mercy, he allows me and enables me to do the work that I do because he is a great and sovereign God which we serve. That word mercy means withheld things you deserve. You deserve death. You deserve hell. You deserve condemnation. You deserve eternal damnation. 
But God, full of mercy, allows you to escape that by placing your faith in Jesus Christ and becoming justified by the blood of the Lamb. As Jesus walked through the city, John the Baptist cried out, Behold the Lamb of God, which becometh to take away the sin of the world. Every sin you have ever committed can be washed away, not covered, but washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ if you're just willing to repent and place your faith in Him. That's all it takes. See, Job 19.25, get to the end of the book of Job here. Job said, As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last, He will take His stand on the earth. Even after all the bad things that happened to Job, even after his friends said, You know what? You might as well quit. God must hate you. They went on and on and on and tortured him. His wife told him to curse God and die. He lost everything. He said, well, beyond the shadow of a doubt, even after everything that has happened to me, I know that God is real. I know that He will redeem me. I know that He lives, and I know He will take care of me because I am His. Let me tell you something. No matter what you're suffering through this evening, you have a Redeemer that lives. The Bible says we have an advocate with the Father, which is Christ Jesus, that sits at His right hand. At that throne room of God, you have God the Father and God the Son sitting right beside Him. And He knows you. How do I know that? Because look what the Bible says. The Bible talks about those who have never placed their faith in Christ. And He says, when they face Him in judgment, He doesn't say, I don't like you. He doesn't say, I don't, don't want you. He says, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. Never had a relationship with you. Never came to a saving faith in Christ. He didn't say that you didn't get in because of your sin. We've all sinned and fell short of the glory of God, the Bible says. But He doesn't allow you in because He never knew you. Your name is not recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. You have never come to Christ for salvation. And James closes out in verse 12 giving an a outward sign of a great impatience. That's swearing. You see, we shouldn't have to make some irreverent oath in order for people to believe us. And we shouldn't have to do it to get what we desire. You've seen people so desperate. They say, I swear if you just give me the car, I swear if you give me the house, or I swear if you give me a little bit of money, or I swear if you give me the drug, or the alcohol, or this, or that, that I'll do this, this, and this. Believe and swear by the name of our Lord to try to get what they want because they have no patience. Patience. The Bible tells us that patience is a virtue. We should have patience. We've talked about several things that we need to wait on tonight. We need to wait patiently for our King. Wait patiently for our reward. Wait patiently for our rescue. And finally, to show our patience by being content with our lot in life. I've said it before, and I still have, it's still a habit I have. That when there are tough days, and we've had a lot of tough days in the last year, and someone asks, how are you doing today? I could lie and say I'm good, but that'd be a lie. 
There's days I'll respond. Today is the day the Lord hath made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. It doesn't always mean the things that happen today make me happy. But it means that the Lord has made this day and He knows better than I do. And the Bible tells me that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according unto His purpose. And I love God more than anything in this world. Which means all things that happen to me in this day are going to work together for my good. I just got to trust Him. Proverbs 35 says, Trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. My own understanding gets me in trouble. I need to lean that God has got the best, got me in His hand. God's going to take care of me. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. And Philippians 4, 19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Whatever you are standing in need of this evening, God can give you your need. You may say, man, I've done with that a whole lot in my life. You may have. It doesn't mean that you needed those things. God knows what we need more than anything. And sometimes we need suffering to get us where we need to be with God. We need patience. Christ is coming back. Jesus is going to come for His church. But if you're not ready, if you're not saved, if you've never been born again, the one thing you need this evening is Jesus Christ. The one thing you need more than you need your next breath of air is salvation in the Lord. You need to be born again. And the Bible tells us there is but one way to salvation, and that is through and by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we will repent and place our faith in Christ, He will make us a new creature. The Bible says old things be passed away, all things become new. That means in the sight of God, when you appear in front of God, He doesn't see Justin Basin with all his faults and failures in this life, and I have plenty. He sees, he sees His Son, Jesus Christ, the righteousness of His Son applied to me, and because of that, I appear as white as the driven snow. So how is that possible? It's like this. I broke God's law. We all have. The Bible says we all sin and fell short of the glory of God. We've all broken God's law. And because God is just, those crimes have to be paid for. They'll either be paid for by you at judgment, or they'll be paid for by Jesus on the cross of Calvary. That evening when I placed my faith in Christ, He took every sin I've ever committed, every sin I am committing, every sin I'm going to commit, and He paid for those sins on the cross. And not only that, He gave me His righteousness. That way when I appear in front of God, God sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ applied to me. And because of that, He says, Welcome in thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you a ruler over many. It's your choice this evening. It's heaven or it's hell. Won't you choose Jesus this evening? As we bow our heads to pray, I encourage you right where you are to repent and place your faith in Christ. Pray to God asking for His forgiveness and then follow after Him. It's such a blessed life to live. Such a, such, such a joyful life to live serving God. I pray you make that decision this evening. Let us pray. Most kind, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to bring your word this evening. We pray, Lord, that we might have been a blessing to someone. Lord, we pray now as the word has went out, that your Holy Spirit uses it in a mighty way to bring a Holy Spirit power of conviction.
upon the unsaved, Lord. May you move in their lives, Lord, and bring them to a faith in you. That they would be saved and born again, Lord, be made new. Lord, we thank you for all the blessings you've given us, Lord. Lord, forgive us where we sin and fall short. Help us walk more faithful every single day, Lord. Watch over us, Lord. Let us be in thy will. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. We pray that the message and the singing this evening has been a blessing to you. Uh, continue to pray that we can get back in God's house together um, sooner rather than later. If you have any questions or you feel that the Lord has saved you this evening, we encourage you to message us that we can uh, talk to you and have an opportunity to share with you the next steps of your faith, discuss baptism and those sort of things. Be much in prayer for um, our church as we, we wait for the opportunity to get back together real soon. We love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful week.